my name is Judy and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. And I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you, Sherry, for asking me. It's been nice talking with you as we're planning out things. Um, well, I found myself getting very verklempt here uh, before we even started. I'm feeling tearful about my recovery, our recovery, what we're doing here, that we all got up early and uh, the gifts. You know, I was just outside at my gratitude shrine. By the way, I have 47 years in recovery. I'm maintaining an 80 pound weight loss because of all that you guys have poured into me. And I made the effort to keep showing up. And I, I understand uh, that there might be a lot of uh, people on here who are uh, relapsers, chronic relapsers, whatever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for keep showing up. That's all it's about. There's no perfection here. There's no competition. There's no uh, awards at the end of the journey when you reach your goal weight like the Weight Watchers and you throw open your trench coat and you show your body and you go rah, rah, rah. And then the next year you've regained all the weight. No, thank you. No, thank you. Somehow I knew that this was the last house on the block and I had tried my best and I had dieted my way to 222 pounds. When I was seven years old, my mother took me to a doctor about my obesity. And in those days, no one ever questioned medical people and still today. And especially if you were a woman and a housewife and you had very little self-worth, whatever a doctor did or said, you stood by quietly. And that doctor, I was an army brat. He was an army doctor. I was seven years old. He put me up on a table and checked me for pregnancy while my mother watched because she didn't know what else to do. And uh, that had ramifications for me later on in my, in my life, but uh, it certainly was not a good treatment for my obesity. Um, but I continued to treat it for the next many, many years. And in the summer of 1974, I was 29 and a half years old. And by a fluke, I heard about Overeaters Anonymous. I lived in Los Angeles and I worked in the treatment field. I was a supervisor and trainer of alcoholism counselors. I knew everything about addiction, everything except my own. And uh, I heard about OA and I ran to a meeting, I said, I've been taking alcoholics to AA. There's such a thing as OA. This was the birthplace of Overeaters Anonymous. Never heard of it. Went to Palos Verdes Library on a Monday morning, which happened to be four days before Thanksgiving, the high holy day of the year. Who in the world even thinks about limiting your food during November, October, November, December, and January? Well, February too, you got Valentine's. So, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons not to get started, police. And, uh, but I went and I sat in the back of the room quietly. I didn't let anyone know what a big shot I was in the alcoholism field and how much I knew. I said, I am a total newcomer here. Just shut your mouth and listen. 
Nobody had to tell me that. I knew that. At the end of the meeting, I was very impressed with the speaker, who was a very angry woman. And when, when she spoke, it was like electricity <laughs> went off her head to the back of the room. And uh, I had not been liking the meeting until I heard her. Before that, there were all these like Sarah syrup people talking about gratitude, gratitude, God and gratitude. Shut up, you skinny bitch. Sit down. <laughs> You know, I'm here in the back row with my moo-moo and my flip-flops, and you're talking about gratitude. So uh, I don't know if we call that willingness, <laughs> but I showed up. That's all, honey. I'm just saying, just keep showing up. So uh, anyway, but at the end of the meeting, I, uh, I went to the, the literature table and a woman named Jocelyn, I told her, you know, I can take everything but the God stuff. I just, I don't like this God stuff. And uh, later on, I told my sponsor the same thing. I just don't like the God stuff. And she said, there is no God stuff. This program is totally spiritual. There's no part that's a spiritual part. It's the whole deal. I said, oh, yeah, I'll let that pass. There were a lot of things, believe me, that people said in these rooms for years that I said, I'm just going to let that pass. I don't need to buy that. You know, I came for the vanity, stayed for the sanity. I, I want to lose weight. That's all. You know, my thought was I was going to be uh, I was going to be here about six months. I was going to be a prom queen and I'm out of here. You know, that's it. I don't have to keep here I am 47 years later <laughs> and loving it and loving it and having a great life and a great time I don't have all the time to tell you about that today but if you get in touch with me I'd love to talk about a lot of good things anyway oh somebody's timing me and tell me when I have five minutes left oh thanks Sherry okay so um but I told Jocelyn I didn't like all that you know, and she said, well, you might try what I what I do. The Quakers say that God is the still small voice within. So, you know, it's about getting quiet and listening to that still small voice. I said, oh, OK, that can work. I mean, getting quiet was already a big deal for me, <laughs> you know, to sit quietly. I mean, I'm a major high energy steamroller. Uh, you know, I've been talking with my sponsor a lot and, and some of you about that lately I've been really withdrawing from, from speaking very much uh, just because I, uh, I'm so attracted to the roar of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd, you know, I'm titillated by the energy back and forth and let's all talk and be together and whoosh, I'm too sensitized. I, I need to pull in and be quieter. And uh, I also uh, am a writer and writing requires sitting quietly in a, in a little room facing a, dark, a blank screen. And uh, I'm easily distracted by shiny baubles. So uh, I need to work hard to disengage, uh, not forever but for time. And I really appreciate people saying they've been missing me. Uh, I'm showing up a little more and more, but I, I just need to do it 
in a healthy way. Moderation, balance, that's what we're about here. So um, hi, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you the whole thing. I just, you know, about creativity and God, you know, I was given a chance here to live my intended life, not what the world wants, not what other people like, not what the audience applauds, but my intended life. And I keep working to learn who I am and, and what's right for me. And it changes on a daily basis. I mean, I, you know, what do you do after 47 years? Well, this morning I was out at my gratitude shrine. You know, that's the first thing I like to do. To settle down about the day and all of my head trips about what's important and just remember all these wonderful gifts I've been given. Uh-oh, I'm just like those ladies at my first meeting. I'm talking God and gratitude, the two Gs. How did this happen to me? Believe me, I came in here as a battler, as a fighter. One of my my best phrases in recovery is we ceased fighting everything and everyone. When I came in here, my t-shirt read, nobody got the best of her. I came from a violent background. I knew how to fight. I had a smart ass mouth. Um, some of my early Jobs in addiction treatment were with heroin addicts in New York City for Mayor Lindsay's Addiction Services Agency. And I could meet those street addicts. I knew how to fight. And then I came out here to California and I worked for the probation department training probation officers. And they, they threw me in this room with all of these Crips and Bloods. The Crips and Bloods had just started out. The probation officers stood behind the wired glass watching what I was doing with these kids. And I would go up to the biggest, baddest, meanest guy and say, you sit down. Just like my dad did. My dad was an army officer. He taught me how to, yeah. But he also taught me like he did the generals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got the last word. Yes, sir. So. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my early training and my early background, and that's who you would have met in 1974. Uh, I am totally changed. There are people on here that I go to meditation groups with. The, the wonderful one of the leaders is here, and uh, wow, me, <laughs> and it's fun. Uh, the first time I spent uh, at a Buddhist retreat at, at the Buddhist monastery, Shasta Abbey up in Northern California on a silent retreat. And the first night I decided I'm leaving. There were too many rules. You had a bow everywhere. You, you know, you had a bow at the bathroom door because you're grateful for, for the bathroom. Bow at the toothbrush, you're brushing your teeth. I said, shut up, who can learn all this? So I told the head guy that, I, that I'm leaving and he was very lovely. And he said, you know, we can't drive you down to town until tomorrow, but, you know, spend the night, however you feel will be fine. Just like in OA, nobody orders you. They just say, whatever you want, you know, see, do your best. And please girls, guys, make it personal. 
Keep it personal. My recovery has constantly been personal. Whatever the rules are, let me see what's true for my life today. And I also hear, oh, well, anyway, what that priest told me is he said, we bow a lot because if bowing dies, Buddhism dies. We stay in gratitude. Okay. You know, we'll pass on that. And now I get up in the morning and go out to my gratitude shrine and love it, love it, love it. Um, so, you know, they say there are some too smart for this program, but none too dumb. You know, every question is worthwhile. Uh, my first sponsor I picked because she was a housewife and I knew she would be home. You know, it, that, those were the days when answering machines were just starting. Now forget all this texting and yay. I wanted her to be home because I had a lot of problems. And uh, I remember I would call her and, and she'd say, uh, well, dear, I'm, I'm having my lunch now. Can you call me back in 20 minutes? What? Doesn't she realize what it takes for me to make this call? <laughs> and I got to wait for her to eat? I said, okay. And I called back in 20 minutes. And then years later, when that I was in that position, I could say to people with love, I'm sorry, dear, can we talk in 20 minutes? You know, so nobody's out to get me here. I always thought everybody, I thought, especially when I heard people share at the first meetings and they were talking about the same problem that I had and the same problem I had just talked to my sponsor about. And I just knew all of them were gossiping with each other so that when they shared, they would give me a dig. You know, they would be really trying to hint to me something. Can you imagine? I was so self-important. I was so paranoid that I really thought you wasted your time thinking of devious plans toward me. Well, you know, they say if it's hysterical, it's historical. And, uh, you know, that came from my background. I was that important. And I was with mean people who were out to get me. So that particular coping mechanism, that particular defense strategy had to be whittled away. You know, this whole thing is a leap of faith. You know, when Einstein discovered relativity, they, the reporter said, now, well, now that we know how the universe works, what's the next great question for mankind? He said, well, the next question is, is the universe friendly? Wow, that's big. That is major. That is a leap of faith. That requires flipping the switch. You know, and that's the kind of work that happened on me as you whittled me away. And I want to tell you, there were so many losses throughout this 47 years. And I'm also in AA 42 years. So I'm a double winner. That's why I go to that meeting that was announced by Sarah. Um, wow. But, um, you know, the, the main, my major conflict with the universe has been timing issues you know it just doesn't come at the right time in the way i want it so that i can feel in control 
and that I have some parameters to protect myself. I don't want to be surprised. And I've gotten great gifts here that were great surprises for me. And some of you have heard my story about my first year of sobriety. I lost my job, but it wasn't just a job. It was this big, new, exciting, pioneering thing I had created. And I had trained all the workers and, ah, it, it was God's will, of course, in my opinion. I was doing God's work. And bam, it was pulled out of my arms. And I felt like a mother whose baby, thank you, I see that, baby had been snatched. And uh, I was devastated. I thought it was the end of the world. And uh, I got to see my own death, really, because I was only my work. That's all I was. I'd already lost my husband. He died of his alcoholism. I was work, 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 work. And it was my baby. And in the Buddhist sense about attachment, it had to be taken away because I was clutching. I was holding on. I was love. I, it was, it owned me. And they said, these people said, well, God doesn't take away one, doesn't, God doesn't close one door without opening another one. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it already. I don't know why I kept coming back. They aggravated the hell out of me. But you know, I wanted to, I wanted to keep my food in order. And before I forget, I just want to say that, you know, if you follow these directions, this whole thing, it heals the mind-body split. You know, this thing that they talked about in psychology in the 80s, mind-body split, mind-body split. Well, I keep my food in order. I allow you to help me keep my food in order so that I can trust the wisdom of this organism. I can trust my body. If I get around people that make the hair stand up on my, on my arms, thank you very much been so nice meeting you. See you next time. Bye. The body doesn't lie. The head lies. The head talks me into anything. But my body is such a beautiful barometer of what's true for me, what's right for me. Not anybody else. Oh, we think he's a great guy. We really like him. We so that's nice. How nice for all of you. You see, it's about responsibility to thine own self be true. It's about having personal integrity. No, I can't do that. I can't steal that. I can't. Oh, yeah. Early on, I still loved my shoplifting. And then my body would go, wow, 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 wow. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm sweating. I'm shaking. What happened to my old shoplifter? You guys. You guys did that. I never asked for that. I have to buy my lipstick now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I was going somewhere with something I was saying there, but, I, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So, um, oh, okay. So um, about a month ago, I started practicing for this big lecture I had last week. Some of you helped me so much with that. Uh, Kathy, Nancy, other people. Uh, 
but uh, I noticed that as I walked through the kitchen, I just let, you know, and I have a very flexitarian food plan. I early days was very rigid for the first 20 years was very rigid. It's now I wear my recovery like a loose garment. I don't, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. I have a generalized plan, whatever. But I live in the world. Anyway, but I noticed walking through the kitchen, I just kind of was always like wanting to pick that thing up. Just just a couple nuts over here. Or, uh, oh, why not have an extra fruit today? That, that kind of stuff, you know? And believe me, I'm no saint in the food area, but I didn't like the energy and the attitude, you know? So I started doing what has always worked for me, which is being witnessed. Marvin Gaye, can I get a witness? That's what this whole program's about, staying visible. Anyway, so about a month ago, I started uh, uh, emailing to uh, one of my sponsors what I ate yesterday, yada, 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 just to have another person looking. She's not my nutritionist. She's not my judge and jury. She's my witness. And if I want some opinion, I'll ask her. And we do the same for each other now for a while. But I do that periodically. I go back to that. Um, and so I'm just trying to tell you, 47 years, I do most of the kind of things that were taught to me at day one, but I was not ready to listen at that time. And that's okay. We can't take it till we're there. You know, you, this is a long-term, lifelong program. I see that my time is up. Um, okay. I'll just end with this thing that Martha Graham, the great dancer, got a letter from her protege, Agnes DeMille. You can find this on the web everywhere. But uh, Agnes DeMille said, I don't like my dancing. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not doing well. I hate myself. I hate my art. I hate my creativity. And that our job here is to create a new life. So think of it in terms of what I'm saying now. So in her letter back, Martha Graham wrote, hmm, no artist is pleased. You just must make this your message and let it authentically flow through you. Do what through you. No artist is pleased. There's only a queer divine dissatisfaction that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the rest. So if you're new, if you're relapsing, if you're old timer, you're one of my buddies and I welcome you to this glorious way of life. Thank you.